Brothers and sisters, I ask that you please turn with me to our text this morning, which comes from the Gospel of Mark. So we'll be considering chapter 1 and concluding it, verses 29 to 45. Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 45. Hear with me then the reading of God's Word. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, They brought to Him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And He healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew Him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place. And there He prayed. And Simon And those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for this is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, You can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and he began to speak freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Thus far as a reading of God's Word. Brothers and sisters, I ask what it is that we pursue What do we pursue? Because we are constantly pursuing things. If you're a young person, you're pursuing the completion of your elementary school or your high school or college. For many of you, you're going out to get your license. You're you're pursuing fun times with friends over the summer. Perhaps a part-time job. For those of us a little older who have a career, perhaps you're pursuing marriage. You're pursuing... Uh, a family and children. You're pursuing uh, building up a savings for retirement. For those whose careers perhaps are over now, what are you pursuing? Is it time with your children and grandchildren? Are you pursuing good health in these later years? Are you pursuing enjoyment of your life? You see, we are all pursuing something and yet even those lawful pursuits can be used in an ungodly manner. We can pursue things for both right as well as wrong reasons. 
And oftentimes, because of our sin nature, we take those good and those lawful things and we use them for our own personal and selfish gain. Right? The 16-year-old who wants to get their license, they have this, this decision. You know, do they want to get it because they harmlessly just want the ability to, to drive around to school and to work and not have to wait upon others? Or do they want to pursue that license so that they can go behind their parents' back and sneak and do things they know they're not supposed to do? For the Christian who's, who's pursuing marriage, are you pursuing it as God has ordained it? Are you pursuing it with another Christian and one of the opposite sex? You know, we have many people who would claim to be Christians today who would pursue marriage outside the bounds of Christianity and with people of the same sex, which is unlawful. And what about those retirees? As you've been longing for that, that time to finally walk away from your job, and you, and you have now, how do you use that newfound freedom? Do you use it to pursue Christ in the advancement of His kingdom? Or do you use it to be lazy and idle? You see, brothers and sisters, we are all constantly pursuing things. And so we must honestly ask ourselves, what is it that we are pursuing? Are we pursuing what is right? And if we are, are we pursuing it in the right or the wrong manner? You see, Christianity must ask itself that many times over. We are at a crossroads in, in many respects. Right? For there is no one more pursued after than Christ. This is the reason the Bible is the number one selling book in all the world. But it is this presentation of Christ that people receive that is all over the place. It is all over the place. And so the question for the Christian becomes, what Jesus are you pursuing? And for what reason are you pursuing Him? Because depending on the answer, even though you may claim to be a Christian, even though you may come and show up at church, your pursuit of Jesus may very well be in vain. For the Jesus you are pursuing does not exist. And do not be fooled or naive. For just as man can take those good and lawful things and use them sinfully for their own benefit and personal gain, don't think for one second men don't do that with Jesus Christ as well and their pursuit of Him. And it's this pursuit of Christ that is highlighted in our text today. If you were paying attention subtly, three times in these 17 verses, we read that Jesus is pursued. First, in verse 33 at Peter's mother-in-law's house, we read that the whole town is gathered outside his house for healing. Then we read that Jesus goes off to pray. And what happens? His disciples come and pursue Him to tell Him that everyone's looking for Him. And then finally, in verse 45, we read that as Jesus heals the leper, and the leper goes out and tells everyone about this. People are pursuing Jesus from every corner. But what we see in our text today is that for many in their pursuit of Jesus, in order to find healing, the presentation of the proclamation of the Gospel has fallen upon deaf ears. They wanted Jesus to give them healing right then and there and now. They wanted that immediate relief. And in doing so, they gave no ear to the Gospel. Right? They wanted Jesus the miracle worker and not Jesus the great physician who came to heal us from our spiritual diseases. 
Right? They missed the whole point of his healings, which were an attestation to the veracity of the message. And they showed them their greater need of healing. They missed the whole point. And so these multitudes who pursued Jesus yet wrongly may have received the healing they were looking for, but they did not receive a spiritual healing, and thus they still perished in their sins. And I think that this still persists even today. People pursue Jesus for all different types of reasons. And they pursue many times various varieties of Jesus's. We can think there are many today who just like those in Galilee pursue Jesus for healing. There are many today who believe that Jesus uh, works through certain anointed men who can, who can heal you. And so they travel the globe looking for these men to be healed. But what happens when the healings do not occur? Before long, they abandon Christianity and Christ along with it. Or what about those who pursue Jesus because they hear these great stories of this, of this man who was so eloquent in speech and who lived such a good moral life and who was so kind to his enemies? And so they pursue Jesus, wanting to know more about that Jesus. And then they hear Jesus proclaim that there is a hell. And that if you, if you do not repent and believe, you will go there and suffer the pains of eternal torment. And soon those people become disgusted with Christ and with Christianity. Many others today pursue Christ because they have been told a lie about the character of Christ. They've been told that, that Christ loves everyone just the way they are. And all you have to do is just be as good as you can be. Try as hard as you can try. Right? He'll overlook anything. And if you do that, if you try hard enough, you'll make it into heaven. And in fact, all people, whether you're Muslim or atheist or Hindu, you too, if you just try hard enough, if you're a good enough person, you'll make it there too. Perhaps others pursue Jesus because they are looking for their, their desires to be met, their wants to be met. And so they pursue Jesus because they believe that He will give them what they want. He will, if it's wealth they want, He will provide it. If it's health they want, He will make them well. But when they don't get it, and they're told, well, your faith just isn't strong enough. That's why you don't have wealth yet. Or that's why you're not healthy yet. They too become disillusioned and abandon Christ, just like we read many disciples did during Jesus' ministry. If you remember in the Gospel of John, John chapter 6, Verse 66 is Jesus' teaching. And He says, No one can come to Me unless the Father draws him. He tells the Jews, Don't think that that your flesh does anything for you. And we hear that these teachings are hard for the people. And then the very next thing we read is that His disciples turned back and walked away. They left. They followed Him no more. You see, the human heart is deceitfully wicked and desperately sick. This is why man is always fashioning a Jesus after themselves. No matter where you go in this world, Jesus looks like those people and He acts like those people and He has the same characteristics and beliefs as those people. But the Scriptures present to us only one Jesus. The perfect Jesus 
whom in His revelation reveals Himself to be exponentially greater than anything the sinful mind can conceive of. For He is the perfect, sinless Son of God. And it is this Jesus, brothers and sisters, that we are called to pursue. And it is this Jesus that we are going to spend the remainder of our time looking at this morning. And we're going to do so under three headings. And so the first is Jesus who had authority over sickness. Point two is Jesus who was devoted to prayer. And point three is Jesus who was full of compassion. So authority over sickness, devoted to prayer, full of compassion. Now last week, brothers and sisters, we've seen that Jesus had authority over the demon-possessed man. And this week now we see that Jesus has authority over illnesses and sicknesses. We are told that as soon as Jesus finished proclaiming the Gospel in the synagogue, that He returns with Andrew and Simon to Simon's mother-in-law's house. And He's told that she has become ill with fever. Now what's interesting is that Simon Peter had a mother-in-law. Which means that Simon Peter had a wife. And for many who thought that he's the first pope, well, the first pope was married then. But immediately, as Jesus is told of her fever, he, He takes her by the hand, we read. And her fever left her immediately. And we're told she begins to serve. You see, brothers and sisters, today, so many want healing, but they don't want the truth. They want healing, but they don't want the truth. People want Jesus to make their life better now. And we see from Mark's account, Jesus very well can do just that. He can make your life better right now. Right? We see Jesus' ministry was an instantaneous healing ministry. Right? He took her by the hand and immediately her fever left. There was no progression. There was no go see this doctor or take this medicine. He touched her and there was immediate relief. And yet, brothers and sisters, we see that when Jesus heals, He doesn't partially heal. He doesn't partially cure. When Jesus heals and He cures, He does it perfectly, completely, and fully. And yet, so often, when we come to Jesus, not by faith, but seeking our own personal gain, what we do when we feel like our needs have been met, that He has given us what we wanted, is we just walk away and forget that He exists. I mean, today, think about in our own lives how often it is we go to Jesus when we're suffering, when we're experiencing pain or trouble, when we have problems at work, problems in our marriage. But how often do we go to Him when things are going well? So often when things are going well, we treat Him as if He does not exist. But for these people, if the one they are looking for was miracle-working Jesus then of course, that's all that they want from Him. That's all they need from Him. They use Him like a magic genie, ignorant though of the real healing that He has come to provide for them. Jesus' authority over sickness is not limited to physical illness, but over those spiritual diseases. If they only took the time to listen to the proclamation of the Gospel that accompanied His Word. And we see this pictured in the life of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. As soon as she is healed, what are we told? Does she get up and just go about her day and go shopping for groceries and living her life? No, we read that as soon as she is healed, she begins to serve them by faith. 
You see, when Jesus heals the soul of the sinner, not only does He remove death's awful stench, but He then supplies us with strength to serve Him. Not only does Jesus pardon and forgive our sins, but He implants within us His Holy Spirit. And He cleanses us with His blood in order that we might now be able to obey and please our Heavenly Father. This is the Jesus that we pursue. Not the one who just has the ability to heal us physically, but the one who has the far greater ability to to heal us spiritually. And if people only understood how ready and willing and able He is to do just that. We read and Jesus says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 28 and 29, Come to Me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5 verses 6 and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Our Lord is calling people from every quarter to come to Him and to find rest in Him to humbly draw near, to cast all of your fears and burdens and anxieties upon Him, and He will take them upon Himself, for He cares about you. You see, Jesus promises all who come to Him by faith that He will heal us spiritually. But never does He promise, even those who come by faith, that He will heal you physically even though He has the very ability to do just that. Never does He promise that He has come to heal everyone physically. And we see this, in fact, in verse 34. After He heals Simon's mother-in-law, we read that the, the Lord continues to heal people. But then there comes a time when it stops. And what does He do? He goes out to pray. And we hear that Simon and the other disciples are looking for Jesus. And they say, Jesus... There's a whole bunch of people who need your healing. And what was his response? In verse 38, Let us go to other towns, that I may preach there also. For this is why I came out. You see, these people were clamoring over his healing ability, but did not want to hear the word. They just wanted the miracle. And so Jesus' response was very telling. It wasn't, well, I know that they are suffering and they need these healings. So I'm going to stay here and I'm going to continually heal until all are healed. No, that's not what He said. He said it's time to move on because the more important Gospel needs to be proclaimed. It needs to be proclaimed to those who will listen. Right? Jesus was sent to preach. This was Jesus in His prophetic role in His prophetic office. But they did not want preaching Jesus. And so what did Jesus do? He left droves of people behind unhealed and uncured. This is a far cry from the Jesus that we hear about many times in especially liberal society today. Right? The miracles demonstrated for Jesus. His power and His authority as the Son of God. The miracles that Jesus performed showed to us and revealed to us the glory of Christ. 
And those miracles also served to prove that the gospel was true. This was the purpose that these healings had. And when that purpose no longer was necessary because people no longer wanted to hear the gospel, Jesus said, time to move on. Time to go do what I was sent here to do, which was primarily to proclaim the gospel and not to physically heal people. And yet, after healing many, and yet before going out to heal more, what do we read Jesus does? He goes out into solitude and prays. And this is our second point. Devoted, Jesus was devoted to prayer. So look at verse 35 with me, please. We read this. In rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there He prayed. Christians, morning after morning, night after night, wake up and go to bed without ever praying. Without ever communing with God. But what all Christians must understand with anyone who is curious about Christianity must understand, is that our Lord has no servants who do not pray. If you are His servant, you pray. If you do not pray, you are not His servant. He has no servants who neglect prayer. Prayer is a part of the Christian life and a vitally important one at that. And so all who have that spirit of adoption as sons and daughters, how can you not pray? You have the Holy Spirit working inside of you, don't you? Now that isn't to say that we always pray as often as we ought, or that we always pray in the right manner that we ought. But what is true of every Christian is that we engage in prayer. For Jesus not only teaches us this by the Lord's Prayer, giving us that example, but He also demonstrates this in His very own life. And guess what? If Jesus, the perfect, sinless, blameless, spotless Lamb of God, daily went before the Father and prayed and sought communion with Him and sought strength that He might obey His Father's will, how much more do you and I need to approach the throne of grace for our supply of strength we need? Do you not need strength before you go out into the world each day and go to work, that you might likewise obey the will of the Father? Do you have more strength and capability than Christ? I think not. Now many times the excuse we hear is twofold. Too busy and too tired. Too busy, too tired. But we see Jesus has become quite famous, hasn't He? And He is quite the busy man. We read, he preaches at the synagogue. As soon as he comes back, he's healing. And after he heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law, what happens? More come and he heals. But then what does he do? Even though he's been working and working, he rises early and he prays. Brothers and sisters, being tired and being busy are not good excuses for neglecting prayer each day. Jesus demonstrates that to us. He was tired. He was busy. But he knew he needed to seek the strength of the Father each and every day. And likewise, we need our Father's renewing strength each and every day. Now the reaction of Jesus' disciples, though, is quite shocking when they approach Jesus. We read that as Jesus has gone off to pray, 
Simon and these other disciples search for him. And their response shows to us at this very early stage that they do not understand the mission of Christ. They do not understand his mission. Right? They've completely missed the point because this is what they say to him. Everyone is looking for you. That's a rebuke. That's a rebuke. I'm sure I'm not the only one. But some of you here probably have had like your in-laws come over to the house. And they stay for a really long time. And you trickle off and find somewhere quiet to stay. And you're there for a while. And what happens? The wife starts searching for you. And she's looking and looking. And when she finds you, what does she say? What are you doing? Everyone's looking for you. Why are you here? Right? This is what the disciples have done to Jesus. Why are you praying when you should be healing? Not only, though, does this show us a complete lack of understanding to the nature of our Lord's mission, but it shows us a complete lack of understanding about the nature of prayer. Right? So often, when tragedies happen, you know, let's say a, a hurricane strikes in Florida, right, and many people lose their lives. What do, what do you hear? People from all over. We send our thoughts and our prayers, our thoughts and our prayers. But so often, I'm not sure if you guys hear it, but I, I hear the response being, well, instead of praying, why don't you go do something? Right? Instead of praying, why don't you do something? We don't need your prayers. We need your money. We need this. We need that. But this shows the complete ignorance to the point of prayer. Prayer is doing something. Right? Prayer is going before the all-wise God, knowing that He knows what's best in every situation. Prayer is going before the all-powerful God, knowing that He can bring anything to be no matter how dire the circumstances. Prayer is going before the all-glorious God, knowing that He will do whatever brings Him the most glory. We are feeble and we are dependent. And so God calls upon us to go to Him in prayer. Right? To, to, when people are suffering, go to Him in prayer. Right? When people are hurting, go to Him in prayer. We are called to intercede on behalf of others. And so we turn to the One who is capable of doing whatever it is we call upon Him to do, if He so wills. Right? We know that nothing can happen in this world outside of the benevolent hand of God doing it. And so prayer is the best response we can have to anything that occurs, whether good or bad. Right? Prayer glorifies God. Prayer is doing the will of the Father, which is why Jesus prayed. His mission was to obey the will of the Father. Now after Jesus finished praying, He told the disciples it was time to move on and to go preach in the synagogues throughout Galilee. And this brings us then to our final point, our third point. Jesus is full of compassion. Now here in this story of Jesus healing this leprous man, this really shows us and puts compassion of our Lord on, on full display. And so please look with me starting at verse 40. And let's, let's look at this once more. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, and said to him, If you are willing, you can make clean. Now moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, 
but go show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. See, brothers and sisters, so often we're compassionate, but only to certain people. Or we're compassionate, and it's only to a certain point, and then we lose our compassion. Our compassion runs out. Right? We're compassionate for our own family member who's suffering from cancer, but we're not so compassionate with our neighbor's family member who's suffering with cancer. But this is far from the compassion that we read Jesus had. And in fact, you have to understand what it was like to be a leper during this time. To be a leper was lonely and sad life. It was a lonely and sad life. For the sake of time, we can't read through Leviticus 13 and 14 together. But I would give you a task later today or even during this week. Read Leviticus 13 and 14 for they give us. Chapter 13 gives you the the laws for the lepers. And chapter 14 gives you the laws for cleansing leprosy. And so read those. But in brief, what was to happen is the person who believed they had leprosy was to show themselves to the priest. And it was the priest who was determined based on the signs whether they had leprosy or not. And if he believed they had leprosy, he was to declare them unclean. And this is what we read then was to happen to them. In Leviticus 13, chapter or verses 45 and 46, we are told this. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose and cover his upper lip. And he was to cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has this disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. See, these, those with lepers were a suffering people. A suffering people. The disease ate away at their body slowly yet painfully. And they weren't even able to be surrounded by family and friends as we are today. You know, if you have someone suffering from cancer and they're, they're in the hospital or they're in a bed at home, family and friends are always able to come over and to pray with them and to touch them and to hug them and to kiss them and to speak with them. The leper had none of this. They were excluded from society. They were outcasts. They lived alone, apart from their own spouse and their own children. If anyone began to walk upon them, they would have to yell out, unclean, unclean, so that people knew not to come near them. They had to wear a certain type of dress and wear their hair a certain way that they could be easily identified. What a sad existence. Now we, to a very, very lesser degree, have experienced something like this in these last few months with this COVID-19 and being quarantined in our homes. But even then, we got to be at homes with our own families. And still, people complained, didn't they? Oh, it sucks so bad. I have to be at home. I'm stuck with my spouse and my kids here each and every day. People complained about this. They just wanted to get back together. Churches wanted to gather again. People wanted to be able to go to weddings and to go uh, celebrate birthdays and to just to be at gatherings together and go out to eat. Well, guess what? For the leper, 
they wouldn't just miss this for a month or two months or three months. This is what they missed for the entirety of their lives because leprosy was incurable. Many of you have probably gone to the store recently. And you see there's two types of people. Those who wear masks and those who don't. And if you, if you pay attention at all, the ones who wear masks usually give those who don't like the side eye. And as soon as the ones who don't wear them start to approach the ones who are wearing them, they take off, right? They go in the opposite direction. And they treat you literally like you have leprosy. They treat you like you have the plague. Right? But this is what the leper during this time experienced each and every day. And so it's unthinkable then to see what then occurs and what happens here. This leper actually approaches Jesus, which he ain't supposed to do. But he runs up and he approaches Jesus and he throws himself, kneels before Jesus. Perhaps an act of worship we see. And he says, I've heard about you. I've, I've heard what you've been proclaiming. I've, I've heard about your demonstrations of power. And I know that you have the ability, if you can, you will, you, if you want to, you can make me clean. Right? He says, I know who you are, Jesus. You have the ability. It's up to you. If you will, you can. And what was Jesus' response? Move to pity. Move by compassion for the suffering man. Jesus Himself does the unthinkable. And He touches the man with leprosy. And He responds with these great words, I will be clean. And immediately, this man was clean. Jesus, seeing this man's hopeless condition, and out of compassion, He healed him. And immediately, Jesus tells him, now, go show yourself to the priest and don't say anything. Right? This, this would be following the law that you would read in Leviticus 14. He's telling them that you must go before the priest. There's a, a multitude of things that you have to do. You have to be looked at and all different sorts of things that you have to do before you are termed clean and, come, and can come back into society. So Jesus is telling him, go do those things. Go obey the law of Moses. Go show yourself to the priest. Go through all the rites that you have to. Also, let it be so that my healing is authenticated as well. For that priest is the one who diagnosed you as a leper will now see you as clean. And my message will be authenticated. My healing will be authenticated. But what do we read? This man disobeys. And he goes around. And he goes telling everyone about what Jesus has done. And Jesus now is forced out into desolate places. And people are coming at him from every angle. But in this in the story that we read, we see the compassion of Jesus, how far and wide it is. How wide it is to include those who are most reviled in our society. Right? Cast collectors, prostitutes, people with leprosy. We ought to, brothers and sisters, have that same compassion for others. This is why Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I urge... That supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. That is the way, brothers and sisters, in which we can show compassion. is by praying for all people. Rich and poor, healthy and sick. Those who are in esteemed positions and those who are in lowly positions. But ultimately, what is our prayer supposed to end towards? What is the goal of our prayer for these people? It is their salvation. Because what does physical healing do for them if they, if they get this healing and yet are going to suffer the pains of hell? Right? 
For the torments of everlasting hellfire is going to be exponentially worse than what little suffering it is they have right now. But we are not to forget, brothers and sisters, that each of us were just like this leprous man. You see, leprosy attacked the whole body. It was incurable by man's remedy. It wreaked havoc on your body. And you were unclean before God. Such is the same with sin. As sinners, it touched every part of our being. Sin is incurable by any human remedy. It caused pain and suffering in our life and we are unclean before God. This is the condition of everybody who comes into this world for we are brought forth in iniquity. And so we must recognize, brothers and sisters, that we were all once spiritual lepers without Christ in this world. And yet, out of God's compassion, He reached forth and touched us just as Jesus touched this man with leprosy. Our Father has touched us by His Word and by His Holy Spirit. There are none that our Lord is unwilling to heal. There are none that are unclean that He cannot make clean if they just come to Him by faith. They just come to Him by faith, believing not only that He is able to make them well, but by believing in the Gospel of God. By faith, trusting in Christ. Cleaving to His merits. But this, brothers and sisters, is the only Jesus that we must pursue. If you desire spiritual healing, this Jesus alone provides it. No other Jesus anyone can create or fashion in their minds will suffice. Only the Jesus revealed to us in Scripture. Not a Jesus after your own choosing. Not miracle-working Jesus. Not Jesus who is a good moral teacher. Not Jesus who gives me all of my wants and cares. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who paid the penalty for sin, who lived a sinless life, and who died on your behalf, and who now calls all of us right, to walk obediently before Him, to walk blamelessly, to live in purity, to obey His commands, and to trust in the promises of God. And so the question for today as we close, is what Jesus do you pursue? Do you pursue the God-man? The one who came, who took upon Himself our nature, who had the authority to heal not only the physically unclean, but the spiritually unclean. The Jesus who was devoted to prayer because He was devoted and loved the will of His Father. The Jesus who was moved by compassion and brought healing to all whom He elected from all of eternity. Who is the Jesus that you pursue? Or why do you pursue Jesus? Why do you pursue Jesus? Is it for selfish gain? Is it for getting all of your wants? Or do we pursue Jesus for His glory? That is why we ought to pursue Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, let us here pursue Christ every day with hearts that abound for love for Him, with minds that are constantly thinking about Him and going before Him in prayer, and with souls that hunger and thirst for communion with our Lord. Please bow your heads with me in prayer. Father, You are such a great God. 
We thank you for your word. We thank you for the word personified, Jesus Christ, who came into the world to save sinners such as us. We thank you, Lord, for his example and his faithfulness and his purity and his holiness. And we pray, Lord, that those benefits that we have through faith by being united to Christ, you would shine forth upon us ever more so that you would bless us and nourish us with those good gifts of grace and mercy that we need this day. We ask, Lord, that you would teach us and impress upon our hearts the truths of your word this morning, that we might go forth and live and walk obediently before you in a pleasing uh, sight before your eyes. And so, Father, we come before you and we ask all these things. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.